0: All right, welcome into another edition of Hey Fighting Podcast. Cody Worsham joined by Jacob Hester. Today's episode as always brought to you by Marathon Petroleum. Marathon Petroleum get the most out of your drive. Uh, Hester, you flying or driving this week to Atlanta? Uh, I am flying. Okay. Well, if, you're, uh, if, to if, if anyone that's listening is driving, Marathon Petroleum, they'll, they'll help you get there. I'm also flying. Maybe is that, where, is that
1: where Matt Flynn is? Is he <laughs> driving to Atlanta? Is that why? <laughs> because you used where to the be Matt the Matt front runner on this
0: podcast, but like OSU am. has a tough loss. He's nowhere to be found. Here I am after the uh, A&M loss. And by the way, like, I hate going to Kyle Field. I hate going to College Station. Every time I go, something bad happens. So I'm going to take the L this time. I'm going to take the, uh, the blame for the loss. I was there in 18. We all know we what happened in 18. That one. I was there this year uh, in 22. I didn't go in 20 because of COVID. Um, wasn't traveling with the team that year. But uh, every time I've gone, it's been uh, an utter disaster. So I hope I don't go back anytime soon. Uh, but I am excited to go to Atlanta. So it's, a, it's, a, it's not a weird episode. It's a weird, it was a weird game and we'll talk about that weird game mm-hmm. and then we'll preview the SEC championship game uh, LSU against Georgia LSU a heavy underdog but i think i as as and I, and i'm not you know being the guy that comes back after the fact and says you know i felt bad about that game i had a bad feeling about last week i have a much better feeling about this week don't know if that means that LSU is going to win necessarily i do feel like they'll be more competitive did have the bad feeling last week it felt like i hate the phrase trap game it just felt like a yeah. bad matchup bad timing uh a&m had a lot to play for uh lsu had kind of wrapped it up so there's just that natural element of human motivation that when you've got something in the bag and the other team's got nothing to lose it's a bad combo so i felt bad about that i feel better this week because um as i think it was makai garner said yesterday this is lsu's national championship game so we'll talk about all that stuff but let's start with start with the loss hester if, if, Wait, we, you I, promised I would much me we were going to start with the World Cup. Ah, now you're going straight yes, to the. good pivot. You're going straight pivot. to the loss good here. Good pivot. Uh, great pivot. Let's talk about U.S. soccer first. Uh, LSU legend Cameron Carter-Vickers, son of Howard High C. Carter, starts for the U.S. yesterday. Man. if I'm going to pause for a second before we get into it. It feels good to talk soccer with you again. It just, I, know. I mean, that's, feels, this it, podcast used to be kind of a soccer podcast. It did. It feels right. And I know that you and Flynn have absolutely not kept up the soccer talk quota. Yeah, it was because of Flynn. So we've got a lot of making up to do. So I'm just <laughs> telling you, if you're not here for the soccer talk, the World Cup talk, we're going to spend a couple minutes on it. You can hit that fast-forward button really, really quick if you want to. But you probably want to stick around because, yes, there's an LSU tie. Cameron Carter-Vickers, um, former the son, as the son of Howard Carter, started for the U.S. yesterday against Iran. On, must win game. Harrison was watching it with me in the office. I had a meeting at two. You told me. Walked into the meeting at two, so that was at halftime. It was an important meeting, one of those meetings that you got to be there for. You can't cancel. And I kind of walked in very sheepishly, and I was like, I'm feeling kind of nervous. We got, you know, US is on the line. They were like, Wait, that game is going on right now. I said, Yeah. They were like, You can have it up on your laptop if you want. So oh. I had it up on the laptop. It was, it was, uh, and so I was able to kind of keep my composure in the meeting, and then I came back, and I think Harrison actually got a video of my reaction to the first goal. I mean, Christian Pulisic putting it all on the line. Yeah. Um, so before we get into the football talk, your reaction to the first goal in the U.S. win? Uh, the first goal I win, bananas. And, look, I, I, a match like
1: that, I, I kind of like to watch by myself. Yeah. I don't want people to see how I react to soccer, good, bad, or <laughs> indifferent. Harrison I don't, all. I do not want anybody <laughs> outside of my wife seeing me act like that. And so I went crazy. But then I had the same situation, Cody. I had to be live on air on Sirius XM at 2 o'clock. And I host that show. Yeah,
0: I saw your Right, So
1: I'm I'm the leader there. And I've got to lead my co-host. And we had Colt McCoy and we had my guy Bobby Carpenter with me. And shout out to them because they carried the load. Good. (laughs) Because I was not paying attention to anything that we were doing because I was living with every kick of the ball there in the second half. The last nine minutes – I mean, nine minutes. And look, I love the added time. I love the fact that FIFA's like, hey, you're not going to waste time here. We're going to add it in both halves, right? And so I can't complain about it because I've been a fan of it. But, oh, my gosh, nine minutes. It was excruciating. Look, when it went through Turner's legs. I didn't realize it didn't have the pace to get to the back of the net. I know. I know. We but I was literally talking on air on Sirius XM, a, a show that is across <laughs> the United States
0: and Canada. I stopped talking in the middle of a question to oh, make no. sure it didn't go in. Oh, God. That was a very frightening moment. Um, as Harrison can attest to, I walked in the office yesterday, and I'm you know, i around a lot of people that, that I oversee. Right? There's mm-hmm. a lot of people right. that um, I'm supposed to be a leader to them. And so I walked in and I was like, "I, I got to be honest with you guys today. I'm gonna be very unprofessional. What you're about to see, <laughs> don't do it, is not Cody at his best. Right. It's Cody at his absolute worst. Um, I think it's
1: actually the best version of Cody, but
0: yeah, maybe it's it's debatable. It depends on what you're defining best and worst as. The first goal, Harrison's got it on video. My reaction to it." I did not celebrate at first because I swore Serginia Des was offside. I swore he was offside on the right side, and I was like, I'm not going to celebrate it. It's yeah. it's okay. kind of like to bring it back what to you football. wasn't even close. I know, it wasn't close. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like in football to bring it back to our football fans here. Um, when you have a big touchdown and you're just looking for the flag, mm-hmm. that's what I was doing. I was looking for the flag. I was looking for the offsides yeah. flag, and it wasn't there. And so I had a very delayed but then very – emphatic reaction then Tim Weah scores yeah. the goal that was ruled offside and I reacted much more excited about that and was convinced he was onside <laughs> and then they had that stupid semi-automated technology that said he was off and I still don't believe it and I yeah, still I don't, don't trust it because another outside of the boot toe poke from Tim Weah like class finish I I said some things after that finish that I can't repeat on air, but I talked about well, you could, but I talked about the uh, the masculinity that Tim Way had displayed on that goal. But Christian Pulisic showing some real masculinity, putting his uh, – Christian Pulisic is on the line, if you will, <laughs> uh, to score that goal. Hopefully he'll be back. Uh, let's pivot to the SEC talk, but we'll both be in Atlanta. I think we need to meet up for the Saturday – is it 9 a.m. Uh, kickoff? It'll be 10 Eastern time. 10, 10 Eastern, that's right. We'll be on Eastern time. So 10 a.m. Yeah. Eastern time. Hopefully we'll have some time in the schedule before the SEC championship game kicks off. What time is the game kickoff? I don't even know. It's in the evening, right? Uh, is it four Eastern? Is it a four three three a three Central four Eastern kickoff? Sorry, off. I, so live we'll, it, I live in
1: like I have to talk Eastern time because yeah. of the uh, afternoon show, and people hate it. More like, like
0: you don't live in Eastern m- time zone. More like Eastern time. Yeah, yeah, Central time is the goat time. I've had this conversation. It is. It's God's time. It's it is God's time. Um, but we'll try to catch that uh, important uh, match before the important football game. So excited about that. USA, Netherlands. I'm actually reading Brilliant Orange right now, so it all fits together. It's a great book about Dutch soccer culture. So excited about that. All right. If you fast-forwarded, this is the part where you can stop, and we're going to get back back. to the football talk. So Even though we never left. From the highs of the USMNT winning a must-win match against Iran to the lows of LSU winning a a game that did not matter in the SEC standings, a game that certainly cost LSU any shot, Of a playoff berth, uh, realistically, uh, I'm going to be perfectly honest. This is not sunshine pumping. This is not retroactive. I really didn't feel like LSU was a playoff team. Um, So this loss, while it stung and was not fun, I feel like sort of took that, I don't want to say unrealistic expectation out of the air, but it just refocused and re-put into perspective what this season is and is about. Um, That's not to excuse the loss. It was a poor performance. The team has to play better. The coaches have to coach better. I always want LSU to win. I would much rather them be in the playoff than not. I just don't feel like they were up to that caliber this year. This is a team, as we saw against Texas A&M, that lives on the margins. They live and die on the margins. They just don't have the talent gap, the depth particularly, but really the consistent quality um, to be a team that can get away with marginal mistakes. So when you're mounting a comeback and you fumble the ball and they pick it up and run it the other way and it's a seven-point – swing or really you know more than that a seven point swing but as you're mounting that momentum in the third quarter they get a a, a fumble scoop and score to me this is a team that cannot overcome right. those things and there's been times this year that they have they did it against auburn where they were able to you know get out significantly outgained at auburn but capitalize on their mistakes um this is a team that really hasn't let me let me uh say this they really haven't beaten themselves except when they have which is a really stupid thing to say but if you think about it, the games that they've won, they won a lot of them because they didn't beat themselves. Right. Now, Florida State, they beat themselves. Uh, against AM, they certainly didn't help themselves. Um, and that's really what this team is. They are not a team that can gift the opponent anything, they can't get away with slow, with, with big mistakes. And against AM, a team that played up to its talent a team that had nothing to lose, a team that had something to prove going into the offseason, those things came back and, and bit them.
1: Yeah, and right now, again, it's not taking away from what this team is. This team has been fantastic to watch. It's been fantastic to watch their grit, their determination, their focus, all of that. But And I think they're going to be there very soon. In fact, I actually think they're going to be there next year. But they're not a team right now that can, because you already clinched Atlanta, because Georgia had as well. And Georgia kind of – Early in the game against Georgia Tech, a little bit of a sleepwalk, but their depth took over, their talent took over, and they still win that game. Right now, you're not currently in a position where you can do that. And so that happened, right? You start out slow, and like Cody's talking about, you play catch up. And when it's 17 all, it's like you got the momentum back because it's 17 to 10. You didn't play great in the first half, but you found a way three and out on defense. You get the ball. You go score another three and out. You get the ball back, and you've got a third and short situation. You're feeling really good about it. You've got all the momentum. In fact, I'm sitting there watching the game, Cody. I'm like, this is it. This is the moment they take over, and then you fumble, and then it goes the other way, and then all of a sudden, all that equity that you built up just goes away in one blink of an eye, And then credit Texas A&M because they continued that momentum. And so, like, this is not a situation where you can go into a game and I don't want to say overlook your opponent, but you just – you have to be locked in, focused, and those traits that Coach Kelly talks about all the time have to be there every single week. Like, there's some teams that that's not the case. It's very few. Georgia's one of those teams. LSU's been one of those teams in the past. I think they're going to be that team here in the very near future. But just currently right now, you're not. And so – a m like you mentioned, they took advantage of everything that you gave them. And it's unfortunate because if you go get that win, you lock up a Sugar Bowl, which as we know here in LSU has been a great stepping stone. Any New Year's Six Bowl game is a great stepping stone into being what you can be in the near future. Um, 2006 Sugar Bowl, 07 National Championship, 2018 Fiesta Bowl, 19 National Championship. And so I truly think those games matter. They affect what you're going to be in the next season. So even one Sugar Bowl, then very soon after that, 3 National Champions. And so like that to be guaranteed to you, if you beat Texas A&M, even if you were uh, on the other side of it in this SEC Championship game, that's probably the part that stings because the playoff stuff, like, I don't know. I don't know how that would have played out. Uh, USC, I don't know if they keep winning. They had three games that if they won, you felt like they might've jumped you already anyways I don't know that to be factual but it feels like that's the way the committee was looking at it but you did have an opportunity to clinch a sugar bowl now you still can you go out there and you beat Georgia you're guaranteed that sugar bowl but I put a lot of value Cody in those type of games in the season before the season
0: yeah it was uh it was frustrating uh, no question about it I think it was frustrating to watch it was frustrating for for the team and for the players um I feel like over the course of a season, these things tend to even out. And I think um, when you look at the the SEC at large, and then LSU specifically, to finish the season 9-3 and three and 6-2 and two in the conference is, is more than fair. I think that's um, certainly to beat home a talking point that's been beat to death already this week. Um, it's an overachievement for, for, for this team and the expectations that they had. Now, it's an overachievement for – I don't think what's been talked about as much is why they were able to overachieve. And I think it's a combination of factors that they could control and factors they couldn't control, right? Like I keep hearing this talking point about Alabama, which is very true, that their two losses were both on the last play of the game. And so they're essentially two plays away from being undefeated. Um, They've also won three games on the last play of the game. Just want to put that out there. Well well said. So, (laughs) again, context is is huge here, but I think LSU won – it's a massive credit to Brian Kelly and his staff for the totality of the season, right. the structures they've put in place, the systems they've put in place, the character that they've instilled into this team and brought out of this team. They're not 9-3 and three without all that stuff. All that stuff that he started talking about day one, they're not 9-3 and three and 6-2 and two. and going into the SEC championship game in year one without all of those things. I do think the SEC West was more open this year than we expected it to be, mm-hmm. and credit to LSU for taking advantage of that, and credit to LSU for not slipping up where other teams slipped up. This has been in my head since the beginning of the season when Brady James came in here uh, into the LSU Gold studios and did a podcast with Jack Marucci. It's a cutting-edge episode. If you want to watch it on LSU Gold, check it out. It, it, it's going to age very well. They talked about that 2001 season and how that SEC championship game that year – felt so huge because that was a program that hadn't been there in so long and how that felt like the turning point for LSU football winning that game beating Tennessee sort of put LSU under Nick Saban on a new trajectory and the comparisons between that 2001 season and this one are pretty eerie for me when I like I don't remember the 2001 season well I was 13 years old so I don't remember it okay chill out with all that because I was a little bit older yeah I you were probably being recruited at that point. 2001 season, I was
1: a sophomore at Evangel. Yeah. And I remember that game being so big that we were playing against West Monroe in the state championship game. And Evangel, West Monroe, we'd get like 40,000 people in the yeah. Superdome for our 5A uh, state championship games. Cody, that was such a big moment for LSU that they played it on the Jumbotron during our state championship game. <laughs> I'm trying
0: to remember if Parkview would have been... I think Parkview won the state I'm sure championship the year been before. There, I don't know there, if they there, were there that period. I'm
1: sure they would have been at least there. Yeah. But they were playing like the entire game, not like highlights, like the game was on because people didn't want to miss LSU being in that situation in the SEC championship game as a over... I think it was a seven-and-a-half-point underdog to a Tennessee team that if they win, they're in.
0: Some of the similarities. Okay, you have... A big home loss, then it was to Florida, who was number two in the country. This year, it's obviously to Tennessee. Um, you have a team that finishes – at that point, they were 8-3 and three going into the SEC championship game, and they were 5-3 and three in the conference. So they weren't a dominant SEC West champion but they were a team that took advantage of maybe a year where the West was down because you had Auburn at 5-3, and three, Ole Miss and Alabama and Arkansas at 4-4, four and four, Mississippi State at 2-6. and six. There was an opportunity there. The strength was in the East with Tennessee at 11-2 and two and Florida at 10-2 and two and South Carolina and Georgia all in the top 25. So that's kind of how it's been this year a little bit. Uh, it's been a little bit more balanced, but there's just some similarities there. LSU didn't lose the game going into the SEC championship game, but they did go into that game – I don't have a, a spread in front of me. Seven but ten and a half. And, seven and a half? Okay, yeah. Look at you, man. You're just – it's like you do sports radio for a living or something. <laughs> um, they weren't a favorite But it, but at it felt – honestly,
1: though, it was seven and a half, but it felt like it was two touchdowns. Yeah. Because that was the belief. I remember
0: the narrative around that game is LSU will be lucky to keep it close. Yeah, which is the narrative going into this game. And it's against a very good dominant SEC East champion – with national title hopes. And yeah. so that's where the similarity is. And so, I again, I felt bad about this A&M game for a number of reasons. One, just past trauma of having been at Kyle Field when things go awry for LSU. But two, just looking at the context, it felt like a game that was going to be tough. Like, I'm really glad we beat Arkansas. We didn't play great against Arkansas. There were some real issues that we saw in that game that Harold Perkins, quite frankly, bailed LSU out with a lot of that stuff. The fact that KJ Jefferson didn't play in that game, huge boost to LSU. It's a credit to LSU for taking advantage of it, but that doesn't negate the fact that it was a huge boost to LSU. So the flaws that we've seen manifested themselves Saturday. At the same time, like the qualities and the traits that have helped LSU excel this season, I think – position them to compete in this game much more than the national media and the national narrative and the prevailing narrative would give them credit for. And I really think this is going to be a competitive game, and I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I think LSU is going to win this game or make a prediction. I just think they're going to compete, and that's going to give them a chance to win. And if, again, a team that lives and dies on the margins, if the margins go their way or they take the margins and, and take control of them, I wouldn't put it past them.
1: Yeah, this team has has kind of surprised you multiple times this year. And I'm not just saying you, I mean all of us. Whenever their backs have been against the wall, they've come out the next time. You look like and their losses this year their first two losses you come back out the next week and it doesn't look like they're affected by the loss and that is a very positive thing for them they've also been able to handle the highs of winning big games as well and so this team has the right emotional makeup to be able to handle a loss like they had a very devastating loss to make no mistake about it it's a game that you wanted to win because if you win that game again like it sets you up for success automatically but you have the ability to right the ship, fix your wrongs here in this situation. Because if you win this game, then you actually you end up probably where you would have ended up anyways, which is in a sugar bowl against a quality opponent. And so this team, they've shown maturity, they've shown the mental makeup to be able to handle this situation, they've shown you know the fight determination like even in this game against Texas A&M that at the end of the day didn't end up being close but they're still fighting there Dre Jenkins and you mm. know he, he's right right there making a play and if he scores that like who knows what happens yeah. right so this team will show you they're not going to give up and I look at this matchup and is Georgia the best team in the country yeah they, they probably are they're, they're probably if you gave 100 people a vote, 90 people would say, yeah, they're the best team in the country, but you still can go out there and take advantage of some of the individual matchups that I think LSU can potentially have in this contest. And this coaching staff is also not just the players shown that they can get ready for any opponent. They can put a quality game plan together. So I'm excited about the matchup. It's a little bit different of a matchup because Georgia likes to play a certain type of way on offense and defense. That's not like Ole Miss it's not like Alabama it's not like Tennessee is that going to be a positive or a negative for LSU we'll have to see because you know look last week it felt like almost the old school nature of A&M might have been a positive for Texas A&M can you come back and can you fix the things that went wrong there
0: let's talk about what went wrong against A&M what they've got to fix for Georgia Uh, I have a couple things that I want to get to Um, let's start with the A&M side and then we'll Pivot to the Georgia side. The biggest meat thing for me going back and one watching it live, but two going back and looking at some of the numbers was LSU's missed tackles. Most missed tackles yeah. of the season. The 19? Twenty one total Ooh. is what I had. Maybe nineteen in the run game. Yeah. Uh, and look, I, I I'm you know that I'm not the biggest watcher of SEC football in general. When I have watched AM all season, A chain has just popped. Like he's yeah. just he's just a really good player. It's really obvious to see. So I was worried about that matchup. And he was everything expected and better. So he was phenomenal. A lot of credit goes to him for – because a lot of the missed tackles were, you know, he took a – he was just exploded past the guy and they got a hand on him and, that, you know, they just couldn't physically keep up. But you have to tackle. And when you miss – I've got 21 here, 20 in the run game. Um, Their most missed tackles for LSU before that was 12 against Tennessee. So you have nine more missed tackles uh, against a Tennessee team that put up 40 against you. This team cannot afford – no team can afford to miss 21 tackles. It puts so much pressure on you. And early on in the game, AM was just ahead of the chains every single time. Every third down was third and one, third yep. and two. And you just can't do that. And and they it was the ability on first and second down for them to generate positive yards. Really in the run game. I think how, how many carries you fit in Which thirty? 30 plus 30 yeah, it was like 36 36 something. to 38 you know somewhere in that they just gave it to a chain and said go get us five yards and yeah. then go get us four more and then go get us three more and then they did some play action off that and moose muhammad made some incredible plays where there's the margins that go against you evan stewart made some really nice plays lsu's receivers had a couple drops that you know yeah. there's some differences there but it was really the fundamental establishing of the run um it wasn't a, you know, when I was watching it in real time, I thought it was a push thing. I was like, man, we're just not getting the defensive I push. Wasn't. Um. It wasn't a push thing. If you look at yards before contact, LSU's average defensively, their average yards before contact allowed this season, one point seven. So one point seven yards before contact, average per carry for the opponent against a M is one point five. Yeah, like they were better. They were two tenths of a point better. They got two tenths of a yard er- sooner to the running back. Right. Um, they just couldn't bring him down at that point. So. J- to bring that back to Georgia, well, I'll bring it back to Georgia in a second. That against AM cost them. It wasn't push. It was wrapping Gap up integrity and was it down. a
1: problem in yeah. my opinion against Texas A and M in the running. The missed tackles. Yeah, you can't have 19 in the running. Well, that might game be why they missed the tackles in respect to, to to win the game. But they've gone against really good running backs. They've gone against the leading rusher in the SEC against Arkansas. They've gone against Bigsby and Hunter at Auburn. I mean, they yeah. have gone against really good. Yeah, I mean, they have gone against really the who's who. And a is a very good football player, and so you have to respect him. But also, like, they've gone against players that are right there on that same level, and they haven't had that type of performance. But when you watch the tape, they were over-pursuing a lot of, of what A&M did. Now, A&M, again, lined up old school. It brings a tear to a glass eye somewhat to have fullback <laughs> in there for a majority of the snaps. And it seemed like... LSU was anticipating what they were going to do instead of reading what they actually did. And you go back and you watch the tape. There's guys that are out of the gap, and it wasn't under-pursuing. It was over-pursuing. They're a gap too far because they're expecting it to hit somewhere, and A-Chain's going to cut those back. And then he gets north and south, and he's not a huge guy, but he runs behind his pads. And so to your point of the missed tackles, and then you're out of – So when you don't have gap integrity, it opens up things, but it also gets you out of a tackling position. So instead of where you would be head up and you can tackle the running back, now you're hitting a shoulder with your shoulder. Mm -hmm. And so it gives the running back half your body instead of your entire body. And so that to me was the biggest story defensively. It wasn't the push. The push actually looked like every other game so far this year. Now – Watching the TV copy and not really doing a dive, I was like, oh, they must have pushed us all over the place. I'm like, ah, front seven, they dominated line of scrimmage. Yep. That wasn't the case. Going back and watching the coaches' tape, it was more about gap integrity, which you got to get that fixed because Georgia, they might not have, like, the bell cow A-chain, but they got three or four running backs that will make you pay if you do the same thing again.
0: Yep. I thought, um, in addition to missed tackles, you missed Jarek Bernard Converse. Um, oh, yeah, without question. I mean, that, that was something that –
1: I know for me, be, doing sports radio did not, you know, probably mention enough that he was going to to not be ready to go in that game and yep. what that would do to your defense because he's been such a such a constant there back there and just kind of even killed everything in the back end.
0: You talk about depth and and uh, love Jay Ward, love what he's brought to the team throughout his career. Um, having it to move him back to corner for that yeah. week, like it, there's a knock on effect. One, it's a position he hasn't played in a while. So there's gonna be an adjustment there, and I haven't looked at the grades for him. I don't know how you know well he performed, but it's the knock on effect from there. Then you've got Sage Ryan in there more against a Moose Muhammad who's got a size advantage. there's just then you're less. There's less depth at safety and less versatility at safety. So this is when I go back to what I was talking about at the start of the show, and and, and throughout the show, and a team on the margins when you don't have great depth that one loss that one player has such a drastic effect and so yeah. we saw that against A M. and so we'll see how healthy lsu is for this one um i, th- I thought jared being out hurt josh williams being out um i don't think hurt as much because of the performance of john emory and how well he played and there is some talent back there at running back but he is such a reliable um productive player that because of game state, it didn't really affect, but I think you need him, really need him for Georgia as a guy that consistently makes the right play, consistently hits the right hole, consistently keeps you ahead of the chains. The weird number that I have on him, and this is this is not like a football stat necessarily, this is like a very much pro football focused stat, so... Pro Football Focus as you know grades every player positively and every play positive right. negative or neutral and there's a scale you know a great play could be 2 points to the positive a really good play could be 1 point to the positive a nice play could be a half point to the positive a terrible play is negative 2 vice versa when you look at every single play and how it's been graded this year you take all the positive plays and grades and all the negative grades and compare them Josh Williams, by far, of anyone on the roster, has the best ratio of positive yeah. plays to negative plays. He's got a lot of neutral plays. He's got a lot of you know half points and one points and not a lot of two-point zeros where those are the home run plays. But very, very few, the least of anybody on the team, really, negative plays, and so many – positive plays and that's not like a a number i can put a number on it. it's an eight to one ratio it's an eight to one ratio of positive to negative which is by far the best on the team that's not really a football stat it's not yards per carry it's not yards right. after contact it's just a measurement of consistency and reliability it's a I, trust yeah and i don't i don't think it costs them in this game necessarily because of how well the yeah. running backs played and because you were behind in the game state and you really had to throw the ball but i think for this game against georgia Uh, to tie it back to some of the stats that I was throwing out earlier. When you talk about yards before contact, Georgia picks up um, 2.6. LSU allows 1.7. That yard defensively is going to be the difference. The same on the offensive side. Like, however much um, marginal improvement you can get in the run game, which Josh Williams provides more than marginal improvement in the run game, I think you're going to need it. So hopefully he's good to go and gives you back healthy on, on the offensive side of the ball too.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's just a player, I'll go back to it, that you can trust. You know what you're getting from Josh Williams. You know it's going to be something positive. You know when it's crunch time that he's going to be the same player. He's not going to get too high, not going to get too low. And he gives you this even kill calmness that you can go out there and you can play free. Like Playing free in this game is my key to this game. When you look at LSU this year, there's been some massive wins, but against Mississippi State, you played free for one half. The second half, same thing against Ole Miss. The Alabama game, you played free for four quarters and then into overtime. You looked like you weren't afraid to make a mistake. You were ready to make every play. You went out there with confidence that you were the better team on that field on that given Saturday. And you could tell like it showed it showed that you were ready to make the play when it was there You weren't scared to make the play and you have to play like that in this game. Take chances, you know Be a little reckless. Yeah controlled recklessness is okay like know that if you have a one-on-one matchup like take that opportunity because you believe in your guy because offensively that's when you started to thrive as an offense when you trusted each other when the quarterback trusted the o-line the o-line trusted the quarterback the quarterback trusted the receivers the receivers trusted the qu- like all of that is when you really started to thrive and so i'd love to see them play that freestyle football you're not tight you're not worried about making a mistake if you make a mistake know that you can make up for that mistake
0: yeah, and as soon as you say that, like you know what stat I go look for, and it's um, deep passing and average distance of target. It felt like that was a missing component for LSU. Yeah. When you watch Moose Muhammad go up and make those plays, it felt like LSU didn't have that threat. Brian Thomas is probably the guy that offers you the most of that, wasn't really involved, um, and I don't know how many, and I'm going to pull it up here in a second. Like They threw four balls um, 20 yards down the field. They only completed one of them. You know, compared that to Florida where you took seven shots downfield. Yep. UAB, you took seven shots downfield. Uh, Alabama, they actually only took three. But I'm going I'm to pull up average distance to target here in a second. It felt like that was a missing – the explosive threat was missing from LSU's passing game, which they're, they're going to have to have. Um, and so I guess we can now pivot towards Georgia. I look at Georgia, and I'll let you get more into the, into the specifics, but if I'm doing numbers to numbers, I hinted at it there in the Josh Williams piece. I look at what else you struggled against with AM and what they've got to do better. Um, that there's the, that gap. So Georgia offensively doesn't force a ton of missed tackles. That's not really their game. They're not, um, and they're not a huge yards after contact team. They're actually 12th right. in the SEC in yards after contact. That's not really where they hurt you. They do their best work before contact. They get 2.6 yards before contact per attempt. LSU gives up 1.7. To me, that yard of difference how much push you can get and where they can meet them. And then when you meet them there, can you wrap them up and bring them down? It's, it's going to be huge because if Georgia has third and one and third and two and third and three all game long, they're going to put together these 10 to 12 play drives. And it's going to put – again, it's going to take that um, – it's going to it's going to take the possibility of them gifting you something away where you put them in a third and seven or a third and nine and Harold Perkins can pin his ears back and B.J. Ojolari can pin his ears back and get back there and try to get a – a strip sack or yeah. force a bad throw—that's where LSU is going to have to be be much much better. And so, if it's gap integrity and that's what you saw in film, then I'm going to trust you on that because I didn't go back and watch the film in that way. But um, it's got it's got to get fixed.
1: Yeah, it does, because is going to have fantastic push, and they're going to have three running backs that you're going to see, possibly four, but I would assume three in this one with McIntosh and Edwards and Milton, and you'll see Robinson maybe there sprinkled in, and they all grade out at 75% or higher over the entire season. I mean, they are very quality running backs. And the biggest compliment I can give this Georgia team, and not just on the offense, but the defense as well, and I said this earlier today, but if you went around the other 13 campuses across the SEC and you asked just the casual fan, name me four players on offense, four players on defense for Georgia, the defending national champion, the number one team in the country for a majority of this year, I don't think a lot of people could do it. I, I truly don't. This is the ultimate team. Yeah. This Georgia team plays together. They play as one unit. They play for each other. They're the only Power 5 team that did not take a single player out of the transfer portal. That tells you what they believe they had there in their depth and in their team.
0: Despite all they lost.
1: Yeah, and they lost a ton. I mean, they lost guys in the draft. They lost players in the transfer portal to other SEC schools. But I think that's a compliment. I'm not hating on, you know, they don't have stars. It's not that it's just they play a very good brand of team football and that's why i think they're so good they're disciplined right they don't make a lot of uh, mistakes as far as like pre-snap penalties you don't have the mental mistakes you don't have the the turnovers and they play their brand of football and you've got to try to get them out of that brand because they want to control and dictate the pace of the game and that's why they are so good because they've been able to do that with their depth with their talent you've got to get them out of their game. You have to make, like Cody's talking about, you've got to make Stetson uncomfortable. You've got to get him in those situations. And also like Stetson is more of an athlete than you think. And so you can't allow him on third and seven to break your back by rushing for eight yards. Like you have one of the best quarterback spies in the country. I would assume Harold Perkins is not only going to be a rusher, he's going to be in that role as well, because they just, they, they make the play that they have to make, it seems like every single time because they play this great brand of, of team football.
0: I think um, I'll, I'll ask you this question, and I'll answer it as I ask it. What does an LSU win look like? Like, what is the formula for an LSU win? And, and so I, I almost flip it and look at it from George's perspective. Yeah. And like, what are the things that I'm worried about? And I know Jaden has been, when he's been really good, he's been really good. When he struggled, the, the team's affected by it. Yeah. I still think that a Georgia defense looks at Jaden Daniels and there's some concern there. He can put so much pressure on you. Uh, I don't know what his health status is. I haven't been locked in on the press conferences and stuff. I assume he's good to go ankles fine. Um, if he's his full mobile self, he, he, he threatens every defense, every single snap. Now game state's a big part of it. Decision making is a big part of it. The threat downfield and throwing it is a big part of it. But if he is at, Or close to his best, I think else you can score some points. I really think they can. Then I think defensively, it's really it's big plays, it's sacks, it's picks, it's turnovers, it's the, you know maybe it's Georgia giving you something or maybe it's you taking something from Georgia. But to me, offense, Jaden being at his best, and therefore the offense really really clicking, and probably having some support in the run game and the play action and the RPO and all that stuff. But defensively, it's explosive plays. I don't think you're going to shut Georgia out. I don't think you're going to dominate with five, six, three and outs. I think you're going to have to hit some home runs on defense. And if you can continue to threaten offensively and hit some home runs defensively, I think you got a shot. Offensively for me, it's staying on schedule. You, ha- you
1: cannot get into third and 12, third and, and 13 situations because you, on first down you had a run that got stuffed right there at the line of scrimmage. Second down you got sacked, whatever. like That is a recipe for disaster if you're LSU. So take what they're going to give you. Like, Yes, I'd love to see you take shots, but if they're trying to take away the shot – then it's okay to take seven yards, right? If you see something, go ahead and take it and stay on schedule. Because if you get behind, then you're trying to play catch-up, and then that's not your game, and you're playing right into their hands. And so that's going to be crucial for LSU not to try to panic if they get stuffed on first down in a run to go away from the run, and then you have a situation again where all of a sudden you're looking up and it's third and long. Offensively, as far as players, you're two freshman tackles. They're going to be massive in this game. Georgia wants to get after you now. It's not even like with the sacks. It's with the pressure. It's with wreaking havoc up front. Because a lot of times it's more pressures and hurries for Georgia than sacks. But they will make it a nightmare for you if you allow it to. So those two freshman tackles are going to be crucial. And then defensively, it's funny. Like I I would say another true freshman in Perkins is, is my key. So three true freshmen for LSU. What he did against Arkansas was remarkable. I, I don't remember a performance watching that where a player felt like he was the reason you won the game yeah. like that. I mean, he took that game over. You need that performance from him, and you can't have the missed tackles. These running backs for Georgia, they might not hit 85 yarders, but they will hit 720 yarders in a row on you hmm. in the blink of an eye because they run tough, they run physical, and they take what you give them. A lot of running backs don't transition from high school to the college ranks and same from college to pros because they try to hit those home runs on every carry. That's not what Georgia has. If you allow them, if they're running zone and on the backside of a zone, you don't do what you're supposed to do, they're going to cut it back. They're going to gain 17 yards and they're going to line up and they're going to run the same play from the other side and it's coming right back at you. You can't allow that. You have to play gap sound defense or they're going to just milk the clock, Take the ball out of your hands. They're they're they are completely fine
0: winning this game twenty four to seven. How many games did you play in S C C SEC championship two? 05, two, and 07? 05 and 05 and oh seven yeah. Does it feel different when you get there on yeah, the field? Does it, it does. does it feel bigger? Oh yeah, it does. What's the key to so oh five? It's
1: almost like when you got to the Superdome in high school. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, you realize, like, this is different. Well, one, because, like, you're playing indoors. Yeah. Like, and that's different. You, you're playing in an NFL stadium. That's different. And so, yeah, you feel that. It, no, Really, no matter how many times, Cody, you've been there. Yeah. Like, you feel that. 05, uh, didn't go well. No, that was Katrina year. Yeah. No, no bye weeks for LSU. By the time we got to that point, it's, it's not the reason. Uh, tip your cap to, to my boy, DJ Shockley in Georgia. They got it done that day. But, yeah, that, that year we kind of ran out of gas there. Now, once we got to recover and go to a bowl game, yeah. uh, we crushed Miami and the Peach Bowl in the same building. Yeah, that one didn't go our way. And then, obviously, 07, you go and kind of like same situation yep. as far as losing the
0: game going into that one, and you take care of Tennessee. What do you remember about that 07 game and the week before? It, it was a wild – two weeks really but you lose Arkansas I very vividly remember being at that game the guy that I was with threw his hat on the field after the game he was so mad it was like an angry toss something Harrison would have done man he just took his hat and threw it and was just so mad that the team had given up their chance to play in the national championship game shortly after that figure out they've got a shot and they're they're in what do you remember about sort of trying to rebound because that's where this team is they're Mm -hmm. trying to rebound from a loss um that cost them a playoff shot but still a lot to play for um How do you get over that and get over that hurdle? So, yeah, I mean,
1: look, you had challenges. You had no Matt Flynn. You had a backup, Ryan Parlew, going to play that game. You had rumors that your head coach was going to go to Michigan Hmm. the day of the game. You felt like you lost your opportunity to play for a national championship because there's no way Pitt's going to beat West Virginia. Shout out, Shady McCoy, appreciate you. And there was just so many things surrounding that game. But I can be honest with you, and a lot of people think I'm, I'm lying when I say this, you still felt the opportunity to win the SEC championship game and you were still proud of that because outside of winning a national championship, winning an SEC trophy is the second biggest thing that you can do in college football. It is the best conference, it's year in and year out. We all know, I don't have to, I don't have to give you the stats of what it is, you know the SEC it's the second biggest thing that you can do. So even though we felt like we weren't going to win the national championship, our leadership that entire week was like, you can go be an SEC champion forever. That's not something, as much success as we had. I mean, we won 10 games every year. That's what we were doing. We had not to that point, this class, my class, had we had not won an SEC championship game, right? We had gotten to one, but we didn't finish it there in 05. And so that was very important to us it will be very important to these players because it is different. You're going to realize that the moment they step into that dome, they're going to realize that it is a big deal. They probably already do, but you're going to realize you still have so much to play for by winning the SEC.
0: I don't have point spreads here, but I'm looking at the um the all time results in the SEC championship game. It looks like Georgia in two thousand five is the number thirteen team. Yeah, we country. were a two and a half
1: point favorite in that game.
0: Good memory. Yeah. And then um LSU in 2001 as the number 21 team in the country, are kind of your two biggest upsets, if you will. Everyone else was really a top 10 team going into that game. So it's been done before. Yeah. Um, the other thing that stands out is just this dominance that the West has had. And so, uh, you know, even last year with uh, with Alabama winning it and Georgia winning the national championship. So it's um, – Hey, Georgia, go ahead and look ahead. Hey, you're already in the CFP. You know, you saw you it last year. You can lose this game. You did 100%. it last year. You need this one.
1: You'll be a okay. Yeah. Just go ahead.
0: <laughs> overlook LSU. It's fine. And ignore what he just said about this being a big game. SEC championships aren't that big of a deal. You don't really need this focus on the playoff. Uh, LSU will come in and they'll they'll hold up that trophy for you at the end of the game. No worries. Um, I all honestly, I think LSU has a real shot here, a much bigger shot than um, than teams are giving them. Things are going to have to go right. They're going to have to play much better. But this team has shown you what they're capable of. And if you get an Alabama-like performance, the way that you performed against Alabama that night, if you play up to that level that you've shown this year, um, you can go do something really special. And we've talked about overachievement, and we've talked about the excitement for the future of the Brian Kelly era, and that you know there's been this talking point that this is the least talented team that he'll ever have, and look what he's done with them. And like – Forget all that. Like yeah. you can win an SEC championship and put this program on a trajectory that um, we all hoped that they would get towards, but maybe didn't expect this soon. That's your opportunity now, and then to play in a Sugar Bowl. And I mean, there there could be um, some. This could be a 2001 type of moment for LSU, and uh, it could be the start of something incredibly memorable and sustainable yeah. for LSU football. Sugar Bowls
1: are special. Uh, sugar Bowls are celebrated. When you play high school football in the state of Louisiana, you break it down on one, two, three dome, because you know if you play in that building, it's special. I know you've already played there this year. You get redemption from that game. Um, there's a potential that if you make the Sugar Bowl, you get redemption on Kansas State. They saw a 38 scholarship player uh, LSU football team. You want to show them the real LSU team? Go win this game. Um, I know that the national championship stuff would have been great, but if you win an SEC title, trust me when I say this, you'll be remembered. You'll be remembered forever. Those things are precious, they're hard. They're the second hardest thing to do in all of college football. I'd say in all of college athletics, to be honest with you, winning an SEC title is damn hard. So go out there, if you do it, you'll be remembered forever. And you'll be a team that we sit here and we're doing the podcast and we're doing it hopefully in 2032. And we're like, hey, remember 10 years ago when that LSU team went at 17 and a half point underdogs and beat Georgia, right? So you can kind of put your place in history with a victory there. So go out there and do it. Quick
0: trivia question you have three seconds to answer. Last time LSU was in the Sugar Bowl. 2006? 2006. There was a – I remember the 2001 Sugar Bowl very vividly. Because, like, the 19, that doesn't count as a Sugar Bowl because I no. had another Sugar Bowl. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't the Sugar Bowl. Um, it was a national championship game. But it, I guess it feels Sugar Bowl-ish, but it wasn't. Yeah. Um, I remember the 01 Sugar Bowl. And, how like, I just was talking about earlier about how I don't remember the 01 SEC championship game as well. I think it was because I wasn't, like, a passionate hardcore fan at the time and I would, kind of thought LSU wouldn't win, so I didn't like get that invested in it. I very vividly remember that Sugar Bowl. Then we had like a spoiled run from like 01 to 06 where there were three or four in there. It's been a while. Yeah, It'd be fun to get back. Yeah. That's I all mean, I'm saying. It's
1: a great game. Again, it's a great week. It's a great opportunity. I know it's right down the road. I, I, I was fortunate, I guess, to kind of play in two because 06 was a Sugar Bowl 7 uh, National Championship game. But yeah, it's one of the best bowl games out there and it means something. So go find your way to play in that game.
0: All right, that'll do it for us. Uh, thank you for listening. Thanks to Marathon Petroleum for helping us get the most out of our drive. We are heading to Atlanta. Hopefully you're heading to Atlanta. If you're not, you can obviously watch on TV and uh, engage deeper on all things LSU gold, not just with Hay and Podcast, but uh, we'll have behind-the-scenes footage of uh, the SEC championship in this week all week long on LSU Gold so go check it out and uh for us for Hester for Harrison for myself we'll see you next time on the next episode of Hey Fighting Podcast night of old We fight the hold The glory of The purple and gold Come on you us. I said fight, fight, fight Victory for Victory for victory Don't